Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hello, hello, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome back to the Digital Agency Show. Today we've got Robert low on our program today. He is one of the founding partners of Blue Ion, who is a full-service digital marketing firm that's been operating for 17 years in Charleston, South Carolina, and recently expanded to Greenville, South Carolina. And they've got clients like Charleston Convention and Visitors Bureau, as well as Tito's Vodka. So they do all of their uh, web and digital marketing for, for that vodka company. If you guys have tasted that or had that, they... Uh, they might have been responsible for you uh, experiencing that product. And um, so, yeah, welcome to the program, Robert. We're, uh, we're really excited to have you here. Brent, thank you, man. I'm excited to be here, too. Hope all's great with you. It, it is. And one of the things that you mentioned to me, which I think will resonate uh, greatly with our audience, is that, uh, y- you know, you're very much responsible for um, account management and kind of account strategy, which kind of a lot of times turns into business development, which is a fancy word for sales. And you uh, admitted to me that you're a, a, an introvert, which I think a lot of people, probably half the population or something, some number of people are are introverted. And sales maybe is not something that they, uh, or, or you know, that persuasive bubbly personality is not that something that they were necessarily born with. And having to talk to people a lot give presentations or network or cold call or whatever is kind of outside of their comfort zone. Um, and yet that's what you're, you know, you're a self-admitted introvert and you are very much doing sales. Um, where, where did this start for you? How did you overcome that, um, that hurdle for yourself? 
Yeah, man. I think you're right. I think it is. If the stats that I've seen is roughly 50% of the population are introverts, 50% are extroverts. And the funny thing about that whole premise, I mean, I'm a, I love the Briggs-Myers indicator test. If you've ever taken that, um, it scores you out at these little four-letter codes. And I've always scored very highly on the introvert uh, factor there. But the fascinating thing about that sort of is that an introvert is someone um, who you know, basically drives their energy, uh, refills their battery in those quiet moments, whereas an extrovert is more, you know, recharges their battery by being around people and others. And so you can be comfortable with people, but it's what, what, what motivates you and what energizes you. And so that, that was sort of the crux of the problem for me, because even if I could get comfortable being out in a mode, you know, quote unquote, pitching something, selling something, presenting something, um, it didn't, it drained my battery. And, and it was a really difficult thing for me to get fired up to go do. And uh, there was a moment early on in our blue ion life when I found myself having to be flown on this rickety little airplane up to go meet a prospect um, and basically pitch our services and justify what we were proposing to do and how much it would cost and how long it would take and all this good stuff, which are legitimate questions, but the way that the whole thing went down and it was a particularly difficult client was really, was really tough. And I'm flying back on this plane. We're going through this major thunderstorm. And I'm like, how did I get into this circumstance? You know, like, how did my life get me to this place? I've got to find a way that is more comfortable for me as an individual to do this kind of work, if that's what part of my responsibility. And I need to find a way that's going to be more successful for Blue Ion. And at that moment, I realized I needed to evolve the way we approached actually selling and presenting Blue Ion and presenting our ideas and our concepts. So now, um, and, and maybe help me understand this a little bit more. So you went to go pitch this client. Was it just the fact that you had to leave the comfort of your own home and get on this plane and go give a presentation? Was it that you were doing too much of this or that you were having to schmooze and you didn't like that? Like what about that particular thing as an introvert created awesome. friction for you? That's a great question. I appreciate it. It, it wasn't the first, I, you know, I, the, the, I finally getting out of the comfort level of being at work and mixing it up with people. The challenge really specifically in this case was, is I found myself having to justify myself, our work, you know, our ideas to, to people that we didn't necessarily see eye to eye with. We wouldn't have been soulmates in any shape or form. Mm. And the, it, so it came a little bit more down to is like, how can we get ourselves into the right situations where we actually are finding you know, like-minded potential partners to do the kind of work we want to do together? In this particular scenario, it, we couldn't have been more opposite in, in the way we would have viewed anything about this potential project. And, um, you know, like I said, fortunately, it didn't work out and we didn't even have to go down that path together. But I realized is that there had to be a better way so that it didn't feel like we were out there, you know, shilling in moments and trying to win things that we perhaps probably even shouldn't have won or been involved with anyway. So it was really that angle of it is like, how do we get ourselves into the right situation? So we're not actually having to pitch ourselves to any random client or project that happened to come along. Which I guess in a way, I mean, that's a very introspective way of thinking about you want to be in, the, in, in front of the right people. I'm, I'm curious how that um, might be different for somebody who's more extroverted. Like, I mean, I am definitely probably in that camp of uh, more of an extroverted personality. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
is it just that being more introverted, introspective about yourself and not necessarily being fully in your comfort zone when you're pitching people or doing sales, um, that that's more important to you? Like that you, if you don't jive with somebody, if you don't connect with them at a philosophical or idealistic or goals level, that that just creates a lot of stress for you versus yes. maybe if you're an extroverted person, you can kind of maybe make friends with anybody and get through that. Yes, I think that's great. You're, you're absolutely right. I think for for myself and maybe a bit of our company over over time has been the former. And that is, is that we um, we wanted to do a certain kind of work in a certain kind of way with certain kinds of partners and clients. And it was the it was the, the realization of that. And then the difficult moments that we sometimes found ourselves in when we were presented with opportunities that didn't jive with that. And it was so it was it was the understanding of that and that moment on that trip, it just sort of all became clear that instead of trying to be all things to all people, if they potentially had a project or a job, we needed to look inward and say, well, what do we really want to do? What do we really believe in? And let's go try to find those soulmates or even better, allow them to find us. Mm. So the, the premise and this is a. Um, I think I saw this written somewhere. I can't even remember where, but it really stuck with me. And it's the notion of you stop selling something and start standing for something. And as long as I felt like I was selling something, I felt like I might not be able to get fully behind it. You know, that it was a, it was a pitch and it was like, I'm going to try to win this person over. And those were all the things that drained my battery, so to speak. But when I felt like, no, this is about something that we really believe, something that we stand for, that changes the dynamics of that situation entirely. It, it both makes it much more comfortable, much more rewarding, to be honest, and ultimately, I think, much more successful if you're, if you're amongst someone who might share those same sorts of beliefs. And so that's, it's that's almost like changing the, their, their perspective, or your perspective, at least, from I'm trying to win them over to uh, I'm going to be who I am, and if they want me to help or if they want to be a part of my thing, they can they can come along. It's not not so exactly. much like you just exactly. being a hundred percent in service of whatever your client stands for. But you're you're basically saying if you guys want to work with this, this is how it's done. And, and you guys are a twenty yeah. person shop, which yeah. I assume means business development, uh, demand gen is an important part of your business. I mean, you've got a lot of mouths to feed, a lot of a lot of. Uh, I mean, I'm sure overhead to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, are you the only person in Blue Ion that's doing biz dev, or is it more um, from an existing like account? Like I know you'd mentioned to me that you were um, uh, kind of more of the account strategist. Um, are you yeah. doing? Yeah. How how does that break down for you guys? Well, um, you know, for for years I probably did the lion's share of it. So yeah, my my interest, my background is more on the strategic side of things, strategic planning, brand planning maybe you know digital planning and marketing planning but by default i guess i just sort of played that that sales presentation you know business development kind of role over the years as we added more and more team members there's definitely a, a, a nucleus of people who can also and do also participate in that as well and more and more my ongoing belief is that that needs to be a sort of an all hands on deck effort anyway that if it can't be all about one person or at least not in our culture and our vibe you know, mm. it's not all about one person out there making it rain. It's something that we all participate in in the right moments. Um, the funny thing is, and in, in 17 years, I still to this day don't think we've ever really done any proactive 
you know, business development. For the most part, it's been reactive in terms of, you know, fielding a phone call or an email or some other contact about a possible project. And we're having this sort of two-way interview about the project and about each other and seeing if we're a good fit. And it's all about that fit. And if it's not a great fit for any number of reasons, and I'll talk about those in a second, we're more than comfortable with saying, look, this doesn't feel like, you know, that we're the right answer for you and or vice versa. And I'm more than happy to help someone think about and even, you know, recommend or reference where they might go to find a better fit for what they're looking to get done. You know, I, that that idea of standing for something kind of crystallized at a moment when growing up in the advertising industry, um, most of the brands and the agencies that I always saw were busy trying to be whatever their target audience wanted them to be to some degree. And I saw a gentleman give a great presentation once about a completely opposite approach. And they said, we embrace and look for the brands that are, have strong beliefs about themselves, almost have like quirky, odd personalities. And then we celebrate that. We bring that to life um, and celebrate that uniqueness. And I, that really stuck with me. And I thought that was a really interesting premise. And so what we did is started to really use that to some degree as a basis of our own approach to marketing. And that the work that we do for Tito's or for Charleston or for any of the other clients that we work with is really about revealing something that's within them, their beliefs, their experiences, you know, what difference are they trying to make in the world? It's not about us stepping in and trying to create something for them out of thin air. It's actually moving away the clutter and letting something come to life through materials, through marketing programs and all that. And that's the way we view the, the, the path of really good brands and really good marketing is they're authentic and they stand for you know, values. They're defined by what they're made of, not just what they make. And we turn that in on ourselves. And that's really, again, what we're about is we talk to people about we're here to help you reveal purpose and something that's within, not just try to you know, help you package up some nice messages, some nice materials and win a few more customers. And so that, that was that sort of pivot point where we're like, okay, that's what we believe works. That's the kind of clients and brands that we want to work with. And that's actually what we're going to try to embody ourselves. So let's figure out how to understand that role that we want to play, try to do it as good as possible, and then find the right kinds of clients who want to go through that process with us. And I think that finding the right kind of clients was sort of a key thing because you can't be desperate, you know, to take any work that comes your way. As you said, you got to manage overhead, you've got to manage expenses so that you're not willing to do laundry for anyone. (laughs) You've got to like have some criteria and run a tight ship because the ability to say no, you know, is actually key to actually saying no to someone, you know? And so it's understanding ourselves and then it's managing the business so that we can have the uh, ability to say no to a project that is maybe really big and potentially lucrative or, or we could say yes to something that's smaller, but is totally aligned with our approach and our values and our interests. Robert, you had said something earlier and I just want to get a better understanding for myself. You said you guys don't really, um, you know, aren't, like actively marketing or looking for clients um, or, or, and maybe I misheard that, but um, you know, you're also saying that you guys have a lot of people coming to you. And then I'm hearing that you've got these, uh, this brand ideal that you stand for. And that was really a game changer for you. 
I assume that you're getting the word out about that or about what you stand for at some level and that's attracting people. Maybe you're not doing outbound calling or something like that. But, I mean, how is that happening? Is it just simply that the clients you work with um, are uh, referring you because they know you guys stand for something or um, – yeah, just explain to me how how do yeah. people come to you knowing that you guys stand for this and that you're attracting these ideal fits for you? Because I have a hard time believing that you're not doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, doing well, something to make that happen. Yeah. No, I think that's a totally fair point. Yeah, it's definitely not sort of what I would think of in my head as a classic sort of like proactive, get out there and generate new leads. We've just never done that. And Part of me is proud of that. Part of me is sort of embarrassed by that. We know we haven't done that more, you know, but whether that's through calling, whether that's by through going to different sorts of conferences and other things and shaking hands and being in the right place at the right time. Um, we just, we just never gone that approach. And maybe that comes back to the way that I'm hardwired as an introvert because those didn't, those things don't come naturally to me, but you're right. We didn't do nothing. And I think, you know, we've relied probably first and foremost on trying to pour everything into the work that we do for our clients and therefore, um, hope to, that they will refer us to others. And, and that has happened. Um, in some instances, the work that we've done for clients are seen by others, obviously. So they might come in that way, you know, mm -hmm. by just, it wasn't a direct referral, but they saw the work that we've done. And in other ways we try to publish, you know, uh, we try to speak, you know, at, 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 a, at a conference and share sort of our process, our methodology, sometimes the work that we do. Um, and we get involved in the communities. Um, we've always been actively involved here in the Charleston community over 17 years. We hope to increase our presence and visibility and activity in Greenville, the new market that we're in right now. And we've just found that really investing yourself in the community, participating in things has actually um, been a fun thing to do. It's been the right thing to do. And it's actually helped us, you know, grow business as a result. So those truly are the main methods by which we've done any kind of marketing and or business development. I don't consider those to be probably the classic forms that I often read about and wonder, should we be doing? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, speaking, publishing, getting out in your local community, uh, it sounds a lot, a lot more than just nothing, right? I mean, I think that's, yes, those are, that there's a good amount totally of energy fair. that you guys are, are putting into that. But what I'm hearing from you is that um, you found marketing channels or tactics that worked with your personality or your mode yes. of doing things versus... Uh, hey, this guy over here says that we should be cold calling or that we should yes. be have a booth at a conference and going around and, and shaking everybody's hands or uh, doing, you know, the, you know, the, you have to find the marketing tactic that is in alignment with how yes. you like to work. And if you don't, it's going to be like every day is an uphill slog <laughs> uh, in the snow, both ways. You know, it's miserable if you're doing something that you don't like. I, I hear from people all the time. They, they come to me and they're like, Brent, I need leads, but I'm not going to cold call. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> like uh, there's like 5,000 other things we can do to market your business that doesn't involve cold calling. But, um, you know, and so I think that's really important for people to take away is that, if you're doing something that you really don't like doing or that you're leaving each situation and it's leaving you with less energy or more drained or you just feel totally wiped out. Like if like if I get on the phone and call random companies for three hours, like I leave that situation, I, I go to lunch, I'm fine. 
if I get people telling me no and don't ever call me again, I like chuckle and laugh. But for some people, that is emotionally, psychologically debilitating. And that's okay. And maybe, you know, blogging. Like you guys have, I don't know, I pulled up your blog before we, mm-hmm. we talked. I mean, you have, I don't know how many posts are in each page, like 10 or something, and there's 30 pages. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like two or 300 blog posts, which blogging seems like a great thing for somebody that's more introverted to do. I mean, it's, you're dead, you're dead on. Yeah. You're dead on with that. It's like those, like you said, those methods are more natural to us. Um, you know, sustain us probably even energize us instead of drain us. And I think ultimately wind up being more successful, you know, for, for us, they're not necessarily for everybody, but they're definitely more successful for us as a result. You know, I, I mean, for me personally, going to a conference, for example, like I, I will wake up at six o'clock in the morning and I will like hammer it all day, whether I'm speaking or even if I'm putting the conference on. But like when I go, my, my business partner who's, who's definitely an introvert. Uh, when we go to conferences together, like I am up at 6 a.m. I am, I've got a breakfast scheduled. I've got like a pre-breakfast meeting scheduled. I'm, you know, meeting people in between sessions. I'm staying out till two o'clock in the morning. Then I wake up at six You're o'clock the next day. And it's like, by the end of the conference, I am like, so full of energy it's ridiculous <laughs> i come into the office on monday and i'm like guys here's what we're doing you know now with the business and, and steve is polar opposite <laughs> i mean he goes to a networking event he'll be there for 60 minutes and then he has to go to the hotel room you know and just be in a quiet space with nobody so around funny. him to yeah. kind of level himself out right that's um, so funny and i steve think steve and i are <laughs> steve and i are wired the same and it's good for people to know that right i mean i yeah. think that and it will your work. I mean, it affects your work style so much. So now I'm curious. So you say um, you guys, you know, now stand for something, and that affects your sales mm-hmm. process. Uh, and, and we probably don't have enough time to completely unpack every part of your sales process. But I'm just, I'm kind of curious. Like, you have an yeah. interaction with a client. They say, "Hey, we want to work with you guys." I assume you're not standing up in front of them in a conference room, like putting a flag in the ground and saying, like. You know, hello, Mr. Client, this is what we stand for. And if you don't stand for this, you know, get out, like making some huge, you know, Jerry Maguire type speech. <laughs> How are you, you know, communicating to them that you stand for something and still making it about them? That's great. No, but I will say that we're pretty, we're pretty open and upfront about it from the first conversation, you know, all the way through what whatever, you know, would be a a new business or proposal type process. So, you know, so the, the first step of that was, like we said, is sort of understanding, like, what is it that we enjoy doing and what is it that we're actually getting pretty good at doing? And to us, those two things came together in this notion is we like revealing things. And more specifically, we like revealing like causes and purpose within, within an organization. And so our journey is to just to find the right person who's willing to go down that path and say, we're going to ask a hundred questions and get super annoying and unlock something that's within you guys that might be cluttered, that might be dusty, that might've just gotten lost in the chaos of your business, your organization. We've, and to us, that's like, you know, that everyone talks about it these days, the why of your brand, what difference are you trying to make? So that's, and we talk and we tell them that from the get go, like that's what we're after. And we think that the great brands have something special in there. And our job is to help them reveal that and bring that to life, you know, in any possible number of ways. So 
I mean, that may be the first conversation I ever have with a prospect. It could be on the phone. It could be through email. It could be at a conference or some other place that I met them. So they right away kind of understand is like, okay, well, that's what Blue Lion's all about. Either they might say, whoa, I just really came because I needed this website built by next month. Um, I don't really, not excited or don't need all that other stuff. And we might say, well, that's great. And I totally understand that. And there's probably an easier path to get that website built, you know, next month. But if you're willing to go down that path and that journey and do a little soul searching and allow us to kind of let our process play out, we're going we're gonna to uncover and reveal something much larger that's actually going to make that website even better and all the other things that we might wind up doing. And I find more often than not, if you put that up front and say, this is really what we believe in, this is what we're good at doing, and this is what we propose doing together, more often than not, they're like, I want that, let's go. And in the in the you know the small number of cases where it's just not a fit, then again they, they, there's probably a better place you know for them to land and, and get what they don't need. And the more the more you've done that, the more you demonstrate that, the more work that you can share with someone to show them here's this client and this brand and and this project, they get it right away. And those people now, like I said, start coming to you who are looking for that journey. So you're not even really having to convince them of the journey. They're already looking for it. And so the conversation kind of starts midstream. Mm. So I, I really do. We, we, we bring that up really in the very first conversation and say, this is the way we go at it. And we really don't know to, how to go at it a different way, nor do we really want to because we, this, is what, this is what gets us up in the morning. And I think a large part of that, and going again back to my sort of days in training and advertising, I felt like I was trained to say yes to everything. You know, yes to this impossible project, yes to this, you know, these these requirements of budget or timeline or whatever else. And that was like, you know, just rotting me out on the inside. It was a really difficult thing. And I kind of got burnt out at least twice. One of those was the motivation to go be part of starting Blue Ion with my two partners. So the last thing I wanted to do when we formed Blue Ion and, and, and started to grow it was to find myself in that situation again. So we're like, I got to learn to say no. And I need, need to learn to have some standards by which we want to evaluate potential clients and projects and partners so that we can get into situations that are good for them and good for us. And if that happens, everything else in theory takes care of itself. And that's where I kind of come back to, if, you know, for most cases over the 17 years, everything else has sort of taken care of itself. Doesn't mean that we're not marketing. Doesn't mean that I, you know, have to work really hard on proposals and new business, but it sort of does take care of itself because we developed an understanding of what we want to do. We found like-minded partners to do that with, and we had some criteria that we established. I, Bruce Mao, the Uber designer who's just, you know, done incredible work, published a lot of interesting books. I think I read one of his books uh, years ago, and he had his criteria for considering a project, and I literally just lifted it and then added one little element to it, and we still use that today. And he, if he's presented with a, with a project opportunity, he runs it through, I think what he described as four Ps, and we added a fifth P. But his four Ps were, are these interesting people? I mean, are we going to learn from them? Is there mutual respect? You know, can we develop trust and relationships together? So that's a critical element. Second is the project itself. Is this a new project? Is this something we haven't done before because we don't want to do the same thing over and over? Is it going to challenge us? So basically, what does this project look like? Third, um, what's on our plate? Can we bring this project on and not drop the ball on everything else or it? 
And then finally, profit. You know, is this somehow add to our profitability as a company? And it and in itself doesn't have to necessarily even be a profitable project. Maybe it's something you're doing in large part in kind, but it's going to have some other, you know, some other impact on the on the on the um, profitability of the company. And the fifth P that we added to it again was sort of important to us. You know, probably five or six years ago, we sort of added that notion of purpose. You know, is there some deeper purpose at work behind this brand? The Tito's brand has that. Charleston has that. You know, many, pretty much all the brands that we work with, by definition, have this sort of overarching premise and purpose that's deeper than just providing a product, providing a service. And that's what we're after. And that gives us that sort of uh, center point from which we then go do all of our materials work and all of our marketing work. So, to me, having standards was a really, really kind of critical need and something that I had to learn how to develop after growing up and starting my career in advertising where I felt like I wasn't given that authority to have criteria or even to consider saying no. I remember the first time I eked out a no, it was like my voice cracked and I sounded like a 10 year old. And lo and behold, the world didn't end when I, you know, and they, yeah. and when they, when you said no, here's why, and we, what did, you don't do it as a jerk, but you say, here's why we can't do it that way then more often than not, they'd be like, you know what, you're right. So let's, let's figure out a different path through this and still get it done. But that was like a revelation to me, which it sounds like common sense, but it wasn't at the time. I mean, even just to have some very tangible uh, criteria, your, your five P's yeah. to remind yourself before you say yes, or before you say, let's create a proposal. I think for our listeners, you know, to create that, uh, I used to, I, I, I ripped the, the three F's from Big Spaceship, fun, fame, and fortune. Uh, <laughs> yes. But, you know, I, your five P's, I mean, it gives even more depth to that of saying if if there are risks here, like, I mean, just that have we done this type of project before? I've seen so many, and even my own agency for that matter, uh, you know, almost had projects that kind of almost ended us as a business because <laughs> they were things that were outside of our comfort zone. I am a uh, an extrovert and, a, or a, and, a, and I'm a high quick start. So I see new ideas and I see new challenges and I am like all in my risk tolerance is huge. Uh, but then, you know, when you actually think about, okay, you actually are trying to run a business here. And even though if an individual has a high risk tolerance, when there's 15 other people or 20 in your case that are involved in that business, like your personality can't be the winning factor behind whether you take on work, you have to consider the business as kind of a, uh, you know, an external, you know, building or, you know, asset that's, that's beyond just one person. Yes. And I think having those criteria can be really helpful. So this is, this it been, sorry. And the, oh, I was going to say, and then the, you know, the, the occasional project that just hasn't worked for whatever mix of reasons you go back and you look at those in hindsight and it's like, sure enough, you let one or one or more of those P's slide, you know, yeah. in, in the heat of the moment or because your competitive nature takes over and you're like, I've got to, you know, I've got to win this. We've got to win this. And those are the ones that usually come back and bite you in the butt later. You know? Yeah. So, and I always tell you, yeah, you know, when you're when you're doing on when you're doing one thing, you're not doing another. So if you do take on that project, you do compromise your standards, and it does uh, something goes wrong, or things do end up turning out to be a complete disaster, and you're having to play cleanup. I mean, we had one project that we thought was going to take like 300 hours, ended up taking I think over 600 when it was all said and done. <laughs> and those, I mean. 300 plus man hours could have been used to market the business to find better clients. Instead, we were having to meet contractual obligations, and, and that yeah. was that almost crushed us. So, real quick, Robert, before I uh, let you go, do you have time for a quick lightning round? 
Yeah, sure I do. All right, cool. Uh, what is the best advice you've ever received? The advice that I try to keep in mind all the time, and this is plays directly into what we're talking about today, was that um, I think it's attributed to Teddy Roosevelt. And the quote is something like, no one, know, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I've found that that is absolutely true that if you blaze into a presentation a pitch a new business you know situation or even a you know you're presenting concepts to someone if you come barreling in and saying here's i've got all the answers you know for you and all that they'll more often than not they will shut down you know but if you can start by you know expressing some authentic interest in you know their situation their goals their dreams their values and show that there's some overlapping, you know, beliefs and values at work, then it's an entirely different scenario. So I think that the key, you know, um, and, and we try to do this ourselves, and to be honest, we try to do this with the brands that we're actually working uh, for, is uh, focus on showing how much you care and what you care about, uh, rather than how much you know. That's great. One of our core values here at YouGurus is to help first. And um, yes. that's yes. one of the things that we... We try to, you know, encourage our team all the time to figure out how to do and, and to push further on is when somebody comes to you and needs something, you know, help first. And then, um, and then, you know, whether that's, you know, try to get them to a, a great program second or get them to, um, you know, get them to where they need, whether it's a referral or recommendation or whatever. I mean, just really trying to help them first before we, you know, consider the things. But I mean, great. it may be that, that you two decided that it wasn't a right fit for whatever reason, and you help them find a, a, a you know, an Absolutely, option that actually yeah. worked for them. They're going to a recommend you B they very well might come back two, three, four years later and say, you know what, now we're ready to do it the way that you suggested or that you needed it to happen. And I've found that happen time and time again. And I think you're, your thought and that saying that you all use is dead on. That's awesome. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? <laughs> Probably um, a lifetime of asking why, you know, I just, uh, I've always been a pretty curious kid and person. Um, I love the question why more than anything else. I find that when I'm interviewing someone in the, you know, in, while we're doing the work of brand planning or, marketing planning or anything like that. I love to ask someone why like 10 times right in a row. And I find that somewhere around the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth or 10th, why you finally get to like some really meaty stuff. Um, and that's an, you know, that's an important journey for someone to realize, well, well this is why we're doing it. Well, why is that important? Well, why is that important? And, and you'll ultimately get down into that core area that I was talking about. Like it's the driving purpose behind something. So I think a lifetime of asking why has sort of prepared me for what I do today and uh, allows us to kind of um, set aside maybe conventions or preconceived notions of how something will be. And really, we get to start from scratch that way. That's great. I think uh, around uh, asking them why, uh, number five, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you're now running the risk of like tears entering the room of, of getting to the, totally. the, the core issue that's so core that might be an emotional issue, but that's it's therapy, that's awesome. right? Yeah. It's totally, it's a version of therapy. I swear it is. Yeah. Can you, uh, share an internet resource or tool that you use on a daily basis that you think our listeners would find valuable? Yeah. I mean, they're, I, you know, I hope and sure they're probably already using it, but I mean, of all the resources I use, the most valuable to me is the Apple podcast app. You know, mm. I just, 
I use it every day in, in a variety of different ways, obviously a variety of different shows, including the digital agency show. It, it's, you know, I just, I love that. I'm totally addicted to podcasts in general. And, you know, I could be going for a walk. I use it sometimes to go to sleep, put on a, like a nice British history podcast. In <laughs> two minutes, you know? That's great. Um, I was, I was, I was looking at, um, this is totally tangent. My wife and I were, uh, were kind of, exploring this idea of one day having some kind of small like homestead or farm and i found this guy that's like a blogger info product guy in the uh the the, the self-farming you know like small mm-hmm. farm space and mm-hmm. he had I, I was i started listening to his podcast just to see what like, i'm like oh this guy's doing like internet marketing in the farm space this is interesting and mm-hmm. i started listening to his podcast and it was the most sleepy time podcast about working a field and planting things and i was like listening to, within like eight minutes i was falling asleep i was like this would be great for for for, for going to right? sleep right so you just set that little timer <laughs> you set that little timer to say play for 45 minutes and you probably only listen to five minutes you know yeah what you, uh, you get to reset that every night because you never really even listen to the whole podcast <laughs> that's yeah, probably that, true i love the podcast i love your show and it's just that that app is fantastic one of these days i'll venture out and maybe look at some other podcast you know apps but that one does a great job nice and uh and finally here what book would you recommend and why um the the best business book i feel like i've ever read and i'm not just even recommending this because it's about business but is uh yvonne yvonne chenard's book let my people go surfing um which is basically his story of of the founding of patagonia the trials and tribulations of growing patagonia you know its evolution to what it is today it is just insanely inspiring. It's really helpful. Um, and it's just, I mean, what a pioneering company, you know, total contrarian approach to the way that you run a business, to the way you market a business, to the impact a business can have on the world. They will never admit that they're doing it right. So they're constantly self-examining and trying to figure out how to do things better. Um, how do you build a culture that, you know, that, that invests itself in that and passes that forward? It's just a, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. And I think more businesses need to read it and model themselves around what they, what they're doing. And that totally jibes with, again, our sort of philosophy about the great brands that we are fortunate to work with and the, and the ones that we still want to work with is that they have a, a very, very strong sense of purpose is something they want to accomplish. that's pretty large in the world. And, um, they're focused on that. And, and then the other things kind of come along, you know? That's great. How can our audience find out more about you? And do you have anything they can check out? Yeah, I mean, the easiest probably um, path is just to go to blueion.com, B-L-U-E-I-O-N.com. And that's a starting place, you know, our social and all the other things are there and profiles of our team. And like you mentioned, the blogs there that probably gives us a, a more accurate picture of what we're up to than the, than the language on the front end of the website and stuff. Great. Um, the yeah. other, I'd say one, you know, the other thing is we're, there's a page on there about a, a new thing that we've launched called Outpost, which is kind of our attempt to get ourselves outdoors more and encourage others to do the same. It, it's, you know, our, our, our personal interest to spend more time outside away from a computer and out of a chair, but um, trying to find a way to weave more purpose into our business and our work. Um, and that's, uh, you, you can read a little bit about what we're doing with Outpost on the website too. Very cool, and I'm I'm assuming that in the 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 Patagonia book probably very very much related. So I appreciate that yes. recommendation, and uh, totally. I have yet to read it. It's been recommended to me a couple times. Just added it to my reading list. I appreciate that. 
again, love the show, love what you're doing. And uh, it's been a real pleasure catching up with you and talking. Yeah, this has been fantastic. I think just talking about how to market yourself authentically, talking about how to uh, change the frame around how you approach sales and business development, make it work for you, make it work for your agency. And when you do that, when you do what you feel comfortable with or what's what's more in your normal operating space or that's not stressing you out in in a bad way all the time. I mean, doing something new sometimes is going to stress you out anyways. But if you're not like burning yourself out and you're actually doing that from a place of purpose and passion, then that's going to be a good thing for your business long term. And you guys, I think, have proven that with Blue Ion and the success that you guys have had, the clients that you have and the work you're doing stands for itself. So thanks again for being on the show, Robert. That's awesome. I enjoyed it. Have a great one. All right, guys, that is it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Tune in next week for another great show. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge is blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 